Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club Podcast, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Stats, with our Summit Club team. This is episode 13, and today we're going to talk about what makes a company memorable, the brand. It's a word everybody loves to say and throw around, but uh, they really know what it means. What's a brand? So your brand is the total impression that a customer or prospect has with your product or your service. Think of it as the personality. You have your friend Susan, and Susan is all about jewelry, so that's her brand, so to speak. A good brand usually produces an emotional response as well. So that when you think of something like Ralph Lauren or Maserati, you go, oh, it just brings something out of you. So you have a real fancy logo. You're all proud of yourself. You're all excited. Here's the bad news. Doesn't mean you have a brand. No, not at all. It's a part of your brand. Yep. But it doesn't make the whole thing come together that fast. Well, a brand encompasses, you say, it's more than a t-shirt. It's more than a logo. It's, it really becomes almost a culture. And yeah. People have to understand what the brand means, and they have to exhibit that in in all their behavior, whether it's how they dress, how they speak, how they act. Building a brand is is a long-term project. You can't just snap your fingers and have a brand. Yeah, and you know what, John? That's, That's an interesting point for anybody listening. This is more of the 101 branding episode. Companies can spend millions and millions of dollars. Not that you have to, but I don't want you as a listener to think that in 20 minutes, you're going to be able to build the, the next Ralph Lauren or Polo or something like that. It can happen. God bless you. I just want to throw that little disclaimer out. This is the 101. So if there's a lot of pieces that go into establishing a brand, what's the importance of putting all these pieces together? Well, like you said, Bill, when we started, it makes your brand memorable. It makes it shareable, it makes it marketable, and in the end product, the brand sells itself. You know, as a brand, you really have to define who you are to the consumer and be true to that. I mean, are you offering, you know, performance of some sort? Are you offering fashion? Are you offering prestige? What what's kind of what, what's your tag, if you will, that the consumer is going to recognize your brand by? That's true. I mean, even if you think of Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola sells soda. Their brand isn't necessarily soda. Their brand is fun and refreshment. Just a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. Earlier, you mentioned a brand that I just have huge success with. I spent a lot of years in branding in the apparel and accessory world, and there's no brand that I have greater respect for than Ralph Lauren and Polo. And, you know, Ralph came along at a time when there were a number of stores out there, whether it was Brooks Brothers or Jay Press, that had a very traditional, maybe Ivy League type attitude, but they were pretty much regional. They were either New York or Connecticut or, or whatever, and, and there were other great companies like Willis and Geiger, which was a hunting apparel company. And, and Ralph took these different segments of the market and interpreted it into the polo lifestyle. And he took segmented brands and really made it a national and international brand of classic traditional you know apparel and lifestyle and granted you know Brooks Brothers in their their kind of rebirth and, and rebuilding they're looking to, to really roll back the hands of time and get back a lot of that but Ralph actually took 
the lead he saw from traditional and classic brands and retailers out there. And that's how he built his, his polo brand. It's not like he broke ground with a new product or a new look. He really interpreted the classics and, and, and made it his. Yeah, and all his, his uh, advertising, whether it be print, whether it be TV, whatever it was, it was all lifestyle advertising. Yeah. Obviously, it featured all you know, all, all the clothing, but it, they're all lifestyle things. Well, so often with a brand, it's not just the the, the piece of apparel or the whatever it, product it's not tangible. is. It's 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 we're buying the lifestyle, we're buying yeah. the image, we're buying how it makes us feel. It's the perception, absolutely. You, you know what's funny too? In a lot of retail locations, it's its own little store within a store. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to get to the merchandise and stuff, and you know where you're going. Yeah. Because you can see it. Right. Boom, and that's the branding. I mean, yeah. if someone can look across a crowded retail floor and see the dark wood and yeah. the brass and the color story and not even have to say what is that and go, oh, that's polo. Right, yeah. Boom, that's, that's branding right yeah. there. And I think memorable brands are always more than the product. I mean, there's that one store when you go into their stores, which are self-standing things, their flagship store has like an indoor fishing thing. It's like a outdoorsy. That's Cabela's. Is it Cabela's? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, now they're part of uh, Bass. Bass Pro. Bass. Pro, that's yeah. the one. And Bass also has yeah. a very, you know, right. it's a lifestyle you yes. walk into, not a store. You walk in and the even the way that the place is fitted out. You have the wood timbers everywhere. and You might as well have like animals let loose in the place. It looks and feels like it's a hunting store and a lifestyle store. So where are we at this point? I mean, are we at a spot where do businesses do this on their own? How do they get ideas and concepts and how do they flesh out this really what seems to be a complicated process of the visual stuff and the audio stuff and the social media stuff? And yeah, what are some steps that we take to create a brand? Why don't we talk about that for a minute? What, yeah. What things do we have to undertake? There's a roughly five parts to this, in the 101 at least, that we can talk to that puts the brand together. So if, if, if you have your business or thinking about starting one or working in a company that's trying to get the act together, the first one is the personality of the brand, which is going to be the overarching driver of this whole thing. So if your business or company was a person, what would that person do? What is the, the gender of the person? Are they really uptight, accountant type? No offense to any accountants listening. Are they more of a, a sports person that hangs at the sports bar, like, you know, easygoing, doesn't really care about anything? So the personality itself of how that brand comes across is a big part of that. Again, just think of it as if it's a person. What would that person be like? And then often that person will directly tie in with what your customers are like. You usually want to do business with people that you identify with. It's aspirational. Yes. Um, the next one, which has a couple subparts, is the visual part of that brand. And the visual is the logo. And then inside of that, you can break it down where you have the fonts. The fonts themselves as a designer can vastly change the personality of what you're looking at. So the fonts are a, a big part of it. Color. There's a whole science of why certain colors bring certain emotions out of people when you see them too much. Then you have the, the imagery that's used in the brand. So when you're watching a polo ad, it's always people running around on the horses, having like these great, wonderful lifestyles on the boats and all that. The imagery itself becomes a consistent factor. 
The next up is what I call the look and feel of the graphic design. Is it portrayed as more of like a 1950s retro vibe? Is it portrayed as something like real super futuristic, high end, very clean, a lot of white space? The graphic design itself of, of the visuals play a big part of that as well. I just, I'm tilting my computer to John as he's talking because the new latest software enhancement for Apple is Catalina. And it's just an example of the imagery and whatever from Silicon Valley in a, in a really beautiful picture of Catalina. It's powerful. It builds the brain. What about the where where, where do we, what about the sound? We got the visual, but there's there's a sound component. Yeah, this. sound can be really fun, and it's fun to work with personally. The voice talent. I mean, a lot of brands out there, you'll hear the certain voice talent that they might have licensed themselves. That that's that's their guy or that's their girl, and the voice becomes part of the brand. The mood music behind it. I mean, I might be going back a little ways. There's the Motel Six ads. They always had this. Homespun. The homespun. Yeah. It sounded like woodsy or whatever. Folksy. Folksy yeah. is the word. That's not the one we keep the light on. Yeah. That's yes. the one we keep the light on for you. <laughs> exactly. I'm Tom Bodet from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. So, but what a, <clears throat> boy, did you pull the tagline out? That's That's, that's yeah. really the audio portion of branding. Yeah, and it, was, yeah. it always was the same. I think the, the, it was Tom Bodet or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if he had something to do with that or he was the name of the voiceover guy, but it, it all came together in the audio. So you, as soon as you start to hear that music, you already knew what the commercial was going to be for. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what you want to get to as far as part of the brand. The next one is the use of sound effects. Thank God it went out of style, but there was a lot of time in the past couple of years, or I think PlayStation would have it, where at the very end of the ad, you would have this PlayStation. And then Staples had, that was easy. And they had all those little- Oh, the audio, easy button. The easy button. That was easy. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. It's the audio part of that brand. You start to bring that in. The next one is social media, which is a newer part of brands. The big part of that ties back into the personality when we started off with, and that is the voice of the brand as it appears on social. What does the brand talk about? So when the brand on social media puts news articles out or funny pictures, what do they have to do with? Ralph Lauren's probably not gonna be putting a, a video on their social media feed of monkeys playing around in the pool or something like that. Another brand probably would. The other one is the brand is a personality. Even how does it respond to comments? There was an awesome story that happened over the summer where you had a crab house at one of the shore locations. And PETA put a billboard up right across the street from the crab house. And they would torch anybody that chimed in on their social feed that said, oh, you're bad people because you're murdering crabs because you're mm. throwing them in the hot water. They, the brand would torch you, make you feel like a child. And most of the, most of the time in social media, People cave very quickly. You can see it like every other day on the news, somebody says something and then everybody piles on on Twitter and then they come back, oh, I'm so sorry. These guys doubled down like Donald Trump can't even double down on something. He was, just, they just would come down and crucify it. It was awesome. But if your brand is positioned that way, it can actually work really well for you. But it's just, that's how the brand's personality is. Bottom line is you have to, how you respond is a big part of the personality. Of your Correct. Brand. So, isn't there a downside sometimes to poorly executed elements for a brand? Things that, and I'm even on social media or you're on YouTube and this pop-up keeps coming up and it's aggravating or whatever. I mean, I, 
don't you oftentimes have to worry about that too? Where the placement is and who the audience is? Absolutely. Yeah, if you have a brand campaign, Rick, you, you work in radio forever, there had to be radio spots that somebody comes up with, this is gonna be the jingle for my brand and it's gonna change the world. And it just drives you insane every time you hear the thing. Mm -hmm. Speaking for myself, there was this one for a, a roofer on KYW and it sounded like somebody's kid sang the thing. And it would actually, it worked, it got me out of bed because I'd jump out of bed to turn the thing off. But yes, so like a, if you have a bad brand message and a bad brand rollout, it, it can really do awful things for you. Yeah, I mean, sometimes in radio, I mean, you know, salespeople in an effort to get a client on, would be sitting in front of the client going, hey, you, you have a great voice. Well, you, you should do your own commercials. Yeah. Oh, so that often got them the order, but very often that person was not very good. <laughs> and you'd have a horrible commercial that would not produce any results. So you'd have to be a little bit careful you know, yeah. with that. Or somebody who goes, I want to do my commercials, and you politely have to go, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> Let us do them for you. And one of the last parts putting the brand together, as a loose term, we're calling it the actionable part of the brand. The most obvious part of that is the product itself. Timberland boots, John, you have experience with those. I do, and uh, you know, absolutely, it starts with the product. They knew what their product represented. It, it addressed a new bar market for a traditional boot company. And when they spoke to that, I'll call it outdoor customer or person that wanted a little bit higher performance, like waterproof uh, technology and so forth, it really opened the door for Timberland to become an outdoor brand. Hmm. You, know, you know, it's funny too. I can remember back in the day, my kids would refer to Timberland as Tim's, and I didn't even know what the heck they were talking about. So they had their own characterization of the way they expressed the brand. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting about uh, Timberland, and, and I know we're going maybe a little off subject here, but it was a brand that really took people into the outdoors but it was adopted and loved in the urban environment. Yeah. Because, you know, you could wear it trudging around on wet streets. And if you were out, you know, like quite a bit outdoors or hanging out or whatever, it was a boot that you could wear that actually protected your feet and, and you didn't have to rush in because you had frostbite. So mm -hmm. it actually had a duality in that it was an outdoor brand, but it was very much respected in the urban market. The other part of the actionable brand is the customer service. So what is the personality of this brand when you have to interact with that brand? So when you have to go take something back or you have to call because there's a problem, how they work with you is part of that brand. So for example, Rick had a story, I don't know if it was on an earlier podcast, where every time you went to check into, what hotel was that, Rick? The Ritz-Carlton. The Ritz-Carlton. Uh, every time you went to check in, they gave you a cookie. Well. Wait, you didn't stay at Motel 6? So they were always booked. <laughs> they keep the light on for you. <laughs> the light was on. But every time you would go in, they'd give you a cookie as you're getting on board to get your room and your keys and stuff. And that's become part of their brand, this nice, warm welcome. And also, Bill, you mentioned like the horror stories. You can have a brand destroyed when your customer service is just yeah. that awful, where the brand is promising, we're going to be everything you could ever hoped for. As soon as somebody gets on the phone, you're like, oh my God, get me out of here. You know what's funny? When you just said, said that, you think about the technology companies. It's really hard to have a human interface with a technology company. And it's, to me, kind of upside down because it's like, do they actually think because everything we do is technology that we don't need to be human when it comes to customer service? Because that's kind of the way they act. Right, yeah. I mean, that's like Google. It's awesome and overreaching and everything else they have going for them. 
if you have a problem that you need to get a hold of somebody to fix, you have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard in Amazon too. They don't make it easy for you to get, to get a human being. Well, Rick, yeah. we're in trouble. Why is that? Because we're when it comes to technology, no. Rick and I are the challenged people at this table. <laughs> Speak for yourself, John. I think I'm pretty handy. Yeah. <laughs> it's also interesting in, in brands and people go out of their way to try to cr create a great brand image. But how many times have you seen either a print ad or a commercial, TV commercial, and it ends, you go, what a great commercial. And somebody goes, who? what was the product? And you yeah, have exactly. no idea. <laughs> so, you, you know, you always have to keep your product in mind and not get too carried away in, in creating that brand image. Make sure it, it you know speaks to people but it identifies you know, what you're trying to sell. So how does business do this for themselves? Well, I mean, the, the easiest part is to think of that brand personality first. What would your business do and act and sell and respond like if it were a living, breathing person? And then once you start to figure that out, just be consistent with that message. As long as it works, be consistent with it. So that over time, people get to realize that your business is a certain way. They can expect how things look, how things act, how things are responded to. And even the, you know, the products themselves and, and how the products work. You know, to share an example, many years ago I was invited to the headquarters at, at Timberland and their headquarters are very much where you, where you would expect. Nice woodsy area in New Hampshire. It had a great you know, track for running and walking and a circuit training and facility. And then I noticed there were these racks and they were filled with kayaks and canoes and sunfish sailboats and camping equipment. Finally, I said to the guy, what is all that? Do you happen to sell those products as well? And he said, no, no, no. Those are for our employees. They can check those out on a weekend and either sail or kayak or canoe or camp or whatever. And it gave them a chance to literally not only test product, but really live the lifestyle that the brand represented. Hmm. It is funny when you think about the simple things that you can do for your brand, whether it's the way your people dress, the, whether their cars or vehicles or your vehicles are cleanly washed and you don't look inside and it looks like the floor of a pigeon cage or whatever. I mean, it's all a reflection of your brand. Right. Even the people, the salespeople. Yeah. So I guess your, your point is, you know, obviously a Timberland spends hundreds of thousands of dollars to have equipment so that their employees can live the lifestyle. But guess what? A clean uniform, a clean truck, you know, organized uh, communication, whether it's from customer service or the person that may be coming into your home, using a booty if you're a uh, uh, you know, a, a technician mm -hmm. coming into someone's home. These are not high cost things to undertake or actions to take uh, to create a brand. These are just attention to detail and things that people pick up on. Yes. Yeah, and they have to extend through all the elements of the brand because there's nothing more frustrating, John, as you were alluding to earlier, that you, you, this is what we stand for, honesty and great service or whatever it happens to be, and then you, you got a problem, you can't get any help. Because right. that'll just that'll just ruin that. So you want to be careful, I think, at deciding what it is you want to what you want to be, because you have to be that throughout. Because you have to do it. Right? You have to yeah. do it. So to give the listeners out there some some help in where do you start and how do you evaluate where you are, we'll have a link to a PDF 
up on the website so you can kind of identify some of the pieces you might have in place and what you feel you might need to add. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget, check out summitclubpodcast.com. If you want help, whether it's branding or any of the other topics that you hear us talking about in the podcast, if you want to sponsor a podcast or you want us to help you create one for yourself, let us know. Leave us a message up on the website. Don't forget, we'll also come to you if you're planning a conference or a company meeting. Keep listening for the Summit Club team, John, JT, Rick, Bill Stats. Talk to you next time. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.